Hello, and welcome to episode 100 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, I have an interview with Kristen Renee Gortlitz. Kristen is the creator of The Empties, currently on Kickstarter. Kristen, thanks so much for, for joining us. Why don't you give us a quick bio about yourself, and then we'll talk a little bit more about The Empties. Hey, Matt. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I started out in comics only about two years ago. Um, I've been working in the film industry for most of my career, and um, I had been running my own production studio and creating a bunch of short films and that kind of thing, but I couldn't find a way to tell my story, uh, my feature film, on a shorter medium or kind of a lower budget medium. Uh, that I had the access to. So I turned to comics based on some recommendations from a ton of friends. And I really didn't have much familiarity with comics, but it was an art form that like immediately grabbed me and I just kind of fell in love with it. It was similar enough to movies so that my experience doing like visual prep work and storytelling aided in my creation of comics and this graphic novel. This is my first one, mm -hmm. but it really was uh, definitely a different type of approach. I found that I had been used to working with um, moving images, of mm -hmm. course, and coming up with things with comics, it really forced me to find like the, a very specific image to tell a story and to tell that sort of movement and narrative of a story. And I felt that that was one of the most uh, focusing things that I, I could have done to really learn what uh, how to communicate a story in one image to the next to the next. Um, and that was just a like wonderful process. So uh, yeah, that's, that's my start in comics is trying to tell, uh, tell my story in the best way possible. Very cool. Yeah, we've had a few, uh, we've had a few interviews with folks that have either um, started in the screenplay aspect of it and then turned it to a comic. Um, uh, so I think like a common sort of theme is like storyboards and movies and how they can kind of easily transition to, to comics. So was that something that you, you saw there? Um, I think so. I, looking at my end graphic novel, it wouldn't be a very perfect storyboard. Uh, it'll give the right direction because it gives the overall look. Um, it gives, you know, kind of a sense of the space, the wardrobe, the, uh, the things we'd like to achieve. But if I were to go and tell it in a movie, I would need a very specific shot breakdown. And definitely you don't do a shot breakdown of every scene mm -hmm. in a movie. But I don't think my comic book would translate very well because I do some more kind of experimental things that I was able to do with a single page that I wouldn't necessarily, I could still do experimental things in, in a, a movie, but I couldn't do them in the same way as the comic book. Like, for example, I do a lot of like two page spreads in the comic book. I tried to really tone it down to a single image. And if I were to film that scene, I probably wouldn't do it in a single shot. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have to break down the back and forth because with movies, you have kind of a standard dialogue. And I'm sure it's the same with comics. But with movies, you know, if I were to shoot a dialogue scene, you would do a establishing shot with the two people and you would do a close up of the other and a close up of the other or a dirty close up, which would be like over the shoulder. 
and you have a very sort of standard film language to at least allow you to, because what you're trying to do with film is get enough coverage to make cutting the scenes together flow so that you have the right performance. And there are some other aspects to consider. But with a comic book, you have a page to really make an impact. And so I found that for me, I liked to uh, have less panels and have images that would really speak for an entire scene when I did a comic book. And so I found that, yeah, I would try to do less and less panels on a page and find the most impactful image. So yeah, I don't think it'll translate specifically to storyboards, but how it really helps with film is that it, one, you have less time to tell the story. You have a single image as opposed to a shot, which is going to move around in space. And um, it focuses it so that like, you also can't waste time uh, like you can in a movie. And I, don't, I, I know that you can't waste time in a movie either, but with a dialogue, like us talking right now, this mm -hmm. could never, this conversation could never end up in a comic book, but it can end up on a movie screen because what's fascinating is the person talking to another person and you're getting a live performance recorded in a movie. And so you can have like lines that are important to uh, character building and you can have them just sitting across and talking to each other while eating dinner at a table in a movie. It's not the most dynamic scene in a movie, but if you were to put a scene like that in a comic book where it's just two people talking to each other at a table, you realize that that's not a visually compelling scene. Mm -hmm. And what you have in comics is to be visually compelling. So that's really the difference is focusing on comics helps to be like, oh, this dialogue at the table scene, that's not going to work. We can figure out a better visual way. Like, how could we take that and make it visual how could we take that scene maybe put it somewhere else where they're having that conversation like outside in snow uh or in the bathtub or something that just looks a little bit better than where they were and that's going to make your movie better too because you should have been thinking about that at first but with a movie script you might not necessarily be thinking of the visual stuff you're thinking of the character interactions and so many other things so i think that's where comics really help movies if we translate it back to a movie but it also just helps you tell a story better in my opinion <laughs> yeah that's 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 pretty interesting so um you said that like two years ago was your main sort of like entry point into to comics but how long yeah. was sort of the empties like a, a thought in your head that you were developing yeah, this is about five years um, with the empties. I started off just trying to make a movie and I selected the horror genre because it's my one of my favorite genres to work in. Um, but science fiction is my absolute favorite and science fiction horror is my like ultimate favorite. But I did sort of start out in the process like how could I make a feature film and I selected the horror genre and that was the starting point because horror tends to be a genre that thrives on creativity and low budget mm -hmm. and it's like it's really crazy. You can spend so much money on a horror movie and get things like um, 
the mummy the recent one and that is just a miserable movie but then you look at these new blumhouse productions and you have movies like the invisible man which is done on a like five million dollar budget or a much lower budget than the mummy and it's a fantastic film so really when you get the creativity of the premise you can bring down the budget for a film so i was like horror is the perfect genre i totally love it but I started out the process trying to think of uh, something I could do with my friends. I had a production studio at the time, so we wrote a couple of stories as kind of a competition. And um, I ended up with a, a film that my friend wrote, and we worked to produce it and try to get the funds to kind of film it around town. It was a single location kind of movie, but it just didn't end up working because we had a large cast of characters, not the right location to film it in, and uh, people weren't responding as well to the story as we had hoped. So we realized that, oh, we just kind of made a story that we could film ourselves, but no one wants to see this one necessarily because it's similar to things other people have done before. And that's when I kind of, that took like a year of life to realize that I wasn't even on the right track with my story. And so I started out taking some characters from that story and changing it into a uh, something that I felt it was very personal and I hadn't started from a personal place, but I changed it because um, I realized that if I didn't find something within myself that would be frightening mm -hmm. and emotional, then other people weren't going to connect to that either. And I wasn't going to be able to, even if I did deliver a film, really capture people. So I did like reanalyze the story, put this into a personal relationship kind of story, which has a ton of fear elements because there's a mysterious illness going around and, um, and one of our characters gets sick. And so the partner has to deal with this fear of losing a person that they love. And this person has to deal with themselves deteriorating and that own fear of your, you know, inevitable death. Um, and so there's so much emotion and passion going on there that there was so much more to work with, even though there were way less characters. And it just really grabbed me as a story and I've been much more successful. So it took a while to find that horror story, mm -hmm. but then I wrote it into a screenplay and developed it on that end before finding comics. So it's this is a very long journey. Uh, yeah, five years in the process, but I'm at the graphic novel stage now. Very cool. Wow, a uh, an illness that's spreading. That's uh, that's uh, you know ripped straight from the headlines. Uh, unfortunately, it's straight from the headlines today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so for this Kickstarter, this is uh, this is collecting um, some of the issues, correct? Yeah, the thing is, I released them one by one. I did um, single issue comic books that were about 22 to 32 pages, depending on uh, which issue it is, and um, released them individually with different Kickstarters. But it was really all part of one overall story so mm -hmm. this kickstarter currently is for the graphic novel which is all of the comic books collected into a 150 page 
graphic novel and I'm raising funds to try to print that. So we yeah. are completely done except for, you know, the small touches you put on a book once we get funded, such as anyone who donates will get a, their name in the special thanks credit uh, in the book. So those are the kind of pages that I'll be creating when the book is done and then sending it off to the printer. Yeah. So um, do you do you have different artists or is it the same artist throughout uh, all 150 pages? Same artist throughout the 150 pages. Um, yeah, my artist is Eli Powell. And uh, I did actually think of doing different artists for each book so that we could get the graphic novel done faster. Mm -hmm. But when I found Eli, he has such a unique and distinct style. It's, um, if you look at it, we did it in black and white, but it's because Eli is so very good at creating very stark, uh, high contrast images. It's very much like black and white noir kind of thing. And it's very horror genre um, specific and atmospheric. And I didn't find many comic book artists that worked uh, that well. I found some who were, who could have potentially done different issues of the book, but it would have been so hard to match Eli's unique style that, uh, no, we worked together for two years on creating this book. And part of that was funding, like I've self-funded the book. So uh, part of the time is that, yes, we could have done more pages per week, but mm -hmm. it would have uh, put a higher strain on me paying for it that quickly. Uh, so we did about two pages a week, which is why it took so long, um, two years to get done. But it also really allowed me to focus on the things that I love, like the details of those pages, the images, and how we were going to tell it. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a good pace for, for my first graphic novel. Plus, you know, I had so much to learn. <laughs> sure. So I have a couple of questions, uh, from that. Um, uh, so, um, how did you find Eli? Was that like an online search or were you guys like acquaintances or anything like that? No, that's a good question. Um, I had found comics because of my old business partner and they were really encouraging me like, yeah, this would be perfect for it. And so we, we hired at first a person to help me with the story editing and adapting mm -hmm. the screenplay to a comic book kind of draft. And uh, he basically taught me the ins and outs, like how much to expect uh, the budget to be, uh, what, positions there are in a comic book because at this point I didn't even know um, what jobs would be required other than of course an artist mm -hmm. but I you know uh, I found out from him that there can be the artist or uh, and then someone who comes and does the inks and who does the colors and who does the lettering and they could all be a single person or they can be different people hired for those different positions. And so basically he gave me portfolios of different people he had worked with, but off the cuff, he recommended Eli because, um, because he had seen him at an artist alley. So Eli was one of the first people recommended to me, but it didn't work out this easily because we tried to contact Eli and he was busy at the time. And so it didn't seem like he would be available for this project. Mm -hmm. So I went on a hunt for different artists and I of course searched all portfolios online 
and and I did go to because I live in Los Angeles. I went to a couple of comic conventions like WonderCon and searched artist alleys and got people's contact information, and eventually commissioned pages from probably ten different artists okay. because I still wasn't even sure what the comic style I wanted to be was. Um, and so I had to, I did have to pay for about 10 different pages. And then it just was like, no, if I had my choice of artists, it would be Eli. So after commissioning pages, I went back to Eli and I was like, hey, I, you know, I think this project is definitely up your alley. It's horror. We can do it in black and white, which is your main passion. And are you ever going to be available? Is this a possibility? And he was finishing up a project at the time. So I had to wait like two months, but he mm -hmm. agreed to come on the board. So yeah, I got so, my first pitch. <laughs> very, very cool. Um, so yeah. uh, I know that you mentioned that uh, it was, it's in black and white and Eli's style um, lends itself yeah. to black and white. Was there ever any thought to it being in color or were you guys just like, hey, this is dark and moody and, and, and fits. So let's just, just, you know, Eli has a good strength with black and white and it, it would fit. So how did that all work out? Yeah, it was a decision from the start that we would leave it in black and white because of um, because of Eli's strength in it. I was like, um, also because of budget. I mean, mm -hmm. Eli is a person who will do the um, the art and the inks, but he wouldn't be able to do color. And so uh, I would have had to hire an additional person to come on board and do sure. color and also pay more for the printing process. And I was like, uh, okay, this is a good thing to start in with black and white because it plays to my artist's strengths, but it also gives me a way to, if I'm ever able to take it back to a movie version, really distinguish the two because mm -hmm. they're not the same. And so I'm able to do this like highly immersive black and white graphic novel and the movie version of course would never be in black and white. Um, so it just gives a way to separate the two art forms and play around with something else, which keeps it kind of fresh when taking it back to the movies too. And that can become a problem because you don't want to be working on an art form that you work on for so long and can't find something new and are just rehashing the same kind of thing you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets really boring for an artist. But yeah, black and white was a decision from the start. At times we considered throughout the process like bringing in color here and there. I thought about it for um, like maybe partially through the middle that we could bring in some color and be kind of creepy. But it uh, we played around with it but it, that was just one of the ideas that came up in the process. And then uh, we tried it, didn't work. And it's much better to stick with black and white throughout the thing. Cool. So I know that you said that you had somebody come in and sort of give you almost like a comics 101 um, yeah. <laughs> to, to turn the, to the script over. And Eli, I guess, maybe had done some comics work before. He said he had just finished up a project. Um, yeah. Were there any times that you like turned a script over to Eli and he is like, hey, we, we, we can't do this here or you're, you know, uh, you know, some of the, the rookie mistakes that we all make on that, that, that first script. So were there any, any times like that? 
Um, kind of. And it did take a little bit of back and forth with me and Eli to figure out our working process because uh, I'm super hands on and um, very specific with what I want. And at first, uh, working with Eli, he would give me um, pencils mm -hmm. for me to look at. And I would then be like, oh, I'm sorry these pencils aren't exactly what I wanted. Uh, I want the layout of the page to be slightly differently. And his interpretation was 100% correct, but it wasn't just what I was visualizing. So I realized I wasn't like necessarily capturing my panels and the layout specifically with the words I had in the mm -hmm. script. So after a couple of pages like this where he had done these gorgeous pencils, it looked fantastic. And I was like, I'm sorry, we have to start over. Uh, then we realized that I would jump in at the thumbnail process and he would just like sketch up something really quick so I could figure out if that layout was correct. Um, and that's how we kind of started our process was like, okay, I'm going to be involved from the very scribble beginnings so that he doesn't have to redo pencils. Mm -hmm. And it did work out pretty often. We only had a couple pages since the beginning that we had to like, that I got to the pencils or even the ink stage and was like, ah, oh, this page we have to throw out or only use an element of. So we only had a couple of those major page revisions uh, throughout the book because of my involvement from the very beginning. But in terms of Eli taking a look at the script and giving me notes and changes, yeah, there were plenty of times where he'd be like, uh, maybe these panels um, aren't going to work as well, or we could tell it slightly differently, like maybe with less or with some addition here. But uh, since I worked with him one-on-one -on -one for each of these, like we did it in two pages a week, mm -hmm. uh, we kind of had a creative dialogue about each thing. And it was an evolving script process as opposed to like, here's a script, you go work on it, give me back the pages. So we we already had that fluidity of things being able to change like no matter what. So yeah, he definitely had an input. Very cool. And does he work uh, digitally or does he work traditionally with like pen and paper? Uh, he does traditional work with pen and paper and inks. Okay. And uh, then if we had, uh, you know, he would be able to do some revisions or additions uh, to the inks in a digital form if Very we needed to do something. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, so you guys were doing two pages a week. You guys did, you guys were doing five issues. Um, what was it like that first time? I know that like, you know, there was a few times that you did revisions, but um, what was it like that first time you saw some of Eli's work come back and sort of those words that have been in your head for so long um, yeah. that you had been living with have been turned into to live, not live images, but images on a page to convey the story. Yeah, honestly, the first issue was like the most exciting thing of uh, of this process. I think Eli delivered his best work in the first issue and in the last issue of the comic book art-wise. And that is appropriate because they're like story-wise slightly more interesting start and finish. But to uh, start working with him and see these... Uh, see yeah what had been in my head come to life in such a great way uh 
was just thrilling. I mean, the opening of The Empty starts with a horror moment, and it's definitely a body horror kind of story, and it that is Eli's strength from mm -hmm. the start. So his first pages that he knocked out, like the first six pages of the comic book, are still some of my absolute favorites. And it's probably because like seeing them was like seeing this story come to life in a way that if I had even tried this on my own, I wouldn't have come up with something as good as what Eli gave me because my strength is... Um, more uh, characters and the relationship, and I need someone like Eli to give me that horror <laughs> twist and spin. Okay. So it was just perfect. Yeah. So did you uh, did you go out and find a letterer for this book? Um, uh, and so how was that process? Fortunately. Eli works with a guy named Marshall Dillon, who's been in the comics industry for a long time, at least the last 20 years, working with every different company. So he was like, I use Marshall, he's great at lettering. And I was like, perfect. And Marshall agreed to do it because Eli, uh, he loves Eli's work. So I didn't have to look for a letter. It was just, they work so well together as a team that I got someone so great at lettering. That's, that, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So somebody that you've already got a uh, relationship and, you know, you're trusting gives you a good recommendation. That's probably a pretty easy decision yeah. to, to make. So. Yeah, yeah, it was a very easy decision there. And he's from Michigan, which is crazy. I'm from Michigan. The story takes place in Michigan. I live in Los Angeles now, but my letterer lives back in Michigan. Oh. And, and uh, I was like, ah, oh, this all fits. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is your, your the, is this the first time you've gone to Kickstarter? Did you self-fund all the, the single issues? Yeah, I went to Kickstarter for the first three single issues. And okay. then for the remaining ones, I just focused on completing it and collecting it for this last graphic novel, Kickstarter. Okay. So I did, I did fund the first three issues on Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one of the questions we, we ask people who are running Kickstarters uh, when we have them on is, uh, how do you keep your sanity during the, the Kickstarter? Are you refreshing the page every, uh, every 30 seconds? Uh, yeah, this is the fifth Kickstarter I've run. The first one was a miserable failure. The next two, three were successful. And this one is on track, but it's still nerve wracking. Fortunately, experience does help ease the nerves mm -hmm. but during the first day and the second day really the first three days I'm refreshing the page constantly and kind of I took some days off work now because I can't do my day job and start a kickstarter mm -hmm. now that it's in progress and I know that we're in the kind of slower middle period of kickstarter yeah. um Things tend to be really, uh, you know, exciting at first if it's going to be successful and at the end. But in the middle, there are even days where some people might not donate. And that's so hard to get through. But I have learned from my past experiences that I can, st I still need to do other things. Like mm -hmm. I cannot just sit and refresh the page sure. constantly. I just have to trust that uh, things will come in and I have to do other things to help the campaign other than worry about it. So yeah. I do things like I do my posts. 
I have things set up before the campaign even so that when it, you get tired, because it's so, it's really exhausting kind of mentally too. Um, such a challenge to run a Kickstarter that I set things up to automate <laughs> throughout okay. the campaign. So I know that I have posts going even on the days that it's hard for you to get back to the campaign. And uh, I, yeah, that's, that's it. I try not to refresh it constantly right now. I'll be refreshing it constantly on the last three days though. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a crazy thing about Kickstarters. There's a, there's a rush at the beginning and there's a rush at the end, but in that yeah. middle section, you're sort of like, you're, 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 you, you know, you're, you're going online and you're, you're trying to create buzz and you're almost like, is anybody, is anybody hearing me? Uh, you know, I'm here. I'm not yeah. trying to get, trying to get your, your attention. So that, that middle section is, is, is tough. It's very tough. <laughs> I don't think there's any way around it. You just have to like get through the toughness and believe in the end goal. Like it, you know, you feel really bad if no one's donating on a certain day or you're posting so much, you're doing all this press and nothing's happening, but you just have to know that yeah, in the middle, people aren't as compelled mm -hmm. to donate and they're yeah. going to be there and show up at the end. So otherwise, you can just drive yourself crazy with these Kickstarter campaigns. <laughs> yeah, very true. I, I, uh, I, I'm a veteran of three myself and uh, you do gain that experience, but you also, even with that experience, you, um, you, uh, you, still, you still get nervous in that, that, that middle period. Um, so yeah. what, what kind of uh, plans do you have? Uh, I know that, you know, from this discussion, you, you have a f background in film. Um, mm -hmm. Do you, uh, so um, I think from the, our discussion before, you don't really have any immediate plans for, for more comics. Is that correct? Yeah, no immediate plans for more comics. I mean, I would, uh, if I ever do another feature film, which I have, plenty that I've written but if I did another feature film I'd love to do a graphic novel as the first process because this process made my story so much tighter so much better mm -hmm. everything was was better working it out on comics but I don't plan to do more features after this one which is crazy but uh, I plan to move into a virtual reality space and I'm doing kind of interactive films um so it's a more experimental ground but it's a science fiction project that i'm working on that kind of uh demands some weird innovations and so i'm looking at like the the things that are out there uh such as you know netflix has started doing interactive content uh black mirror we all know of but they've done a lot of mm -hmm. kids shows as well in this interactive format and I just wanted to take something where uh, we're doing something new and kind of changing storytelling into a hybrid of games and movies and television series and so yeah my, my next project is on the experimental edge of things uh, as opposed to the more traditional route where a feature film is very well pathed out. If you mm -hmm. want to make a feature film, expect it's going to take about 10 years from start to finish. Uh, it could take less if you self-finance and make it with your friends. Then expect maybe three to five years. But 10 years if you want to have financing, make the movie, attach actors, 
get it distributed. So from story idea to distribution, there's a well laid out path for movies and it comes down to putting together a team, putting together actors for your project, putting together something that makes it commercially viable, getting distribution ahead of time, uh, packaging it, then getting investors, getting tax rebates, making the movie, making it good enough to get into certain festivals, getting it picked up and distributed, and there's your path for movies. It's long, mm -hmm. it's well laid out though. And I just wanted to do something like with this process, going through the feature film thing, I was like, that's cool. It's my favorite thing in life. But I think that movies can reach a different audience if you break it up and do something kind of different and mm -hmm. add some of these new technological elements to it. So that's where I'm working towards. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, always trying to find new mediums or uh, new ways to tell stories is a, is a, is a cool thing. Maybe, maybe a little scary at times, but also, you know, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta scare yourself a little bit to, uh, to make some cool stuff every once in a while. Um, yeah. This might be just like my home movies that I'm making for myself. Like, Oh, great. I tried something experimental. Now it's, that was fun. <laughs> there might be no market for it, but we'll see. All right, so uh, I'm. I have one final question before we wrap up, and I think uh, I think this might be the case. But do you see the comic book writer and the director of a movie as like uh, similar similar roles and responsibilities? For me, one hundred percent, yes. But I don't think it has to be. Mm -hmm. uh, like, if you are a writer and words are your passion, and you don't really care about creating the images, it I mean, there are different types of directors already in movies. Like you can be the director who loves working with actors and you don't really care about the visuals. And so you hire a DP who will get you the shots you need. Okay. Same kind of thing. You can be a writer of a comic book and care mostly about the words and the dialogue and how it's laid out. And you don't have to care about how the panels appear on the page. You want then your main job is to find an artist that who sees it the similar way that you do mm -hmm. and just give the project to them and let them do their thing. That's a great thing to do because you trust your person to deliver what you want. For me, I see it as uh, my role as a director. I add in, um, I care a lot about the visuals too. So I want to give my artists as much of what's in my head as possible. So I work more closely, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely like being a director, but you don't have to have it that way. You can just be a writer. <laughs> Very cool. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this book. Uh, I'm a, I'm a backer. Um, so I'm, I'm watching the campaign, maybe not as much as you are, but uh, could you let people, <laughs> yeah. could you let people know where they can find you online and, uh, you know, one more time, plug the Kickstarter as we, we finish up here. Yeah, of course. Well, the Kickstarter you can find at horrorcomicbook.com. And then you can follow along with uh, with the campaign at um, on Instagram with Empties Comics. So there you'll get a good look of what it looks like. You can follow on Facebook page where I do a breakdown of how I do every single page with my artist at the Empties Movie. Uh, facebook.com slash the empties movie and um, I'm on Twitter Kristen Gorlitz but 
mostly you can get a free issue, the first issue, which is 32 pages, and see what I'm talking about with Eli's uh, stark horror images at freehorrorcomic.com slash empties. So okay. also the Kickstarter campaign, you'll find the free comic book there. So I think, you know, check that one out. Yeah, that's awesome to offer people a uh, a free preview to sort of give them a, a, a you know a decent sized sample to to one let them see the story and hopefully hook them in for for more of that. Yeah. So that that's that that's a pretty cool offer. Well, I uh, I want to thank you for being on. I I enjoyed talking. Um, you know some of the some of the differences, some of the similarities between making movies and making comics. So it was a, it was a really good talk. So thanks again thank and. Um, uh, I, I'm looking forward to the book. Um, anybody listening, if they could give us a rating and review on whatever podcasting service you use, we'd really like it. If you'd like to follow the podcast, uh, we are on Twitter at Construct Compod. We are on Instagram at Constructing Comics Pod, Facebook and YouTube Constructing Comics, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you.